0: Hello, boys and ghouls, and welcome to a Banner episode all about the films and frights of those 365 nights that made up the year 1976. So, freak out. Don't fear the Reaper. Do the Hustle. And keep on trucking. As Boys and Ghouls Episode 53 awakens the spirit of 76. You wanna see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell. A transformed race of walking dead. Darling, exploding heads, psychos, fanatics, oh. murderers,
1: nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know
0: that one of you is a werewolf.
1: Ain't nothing but dead I want to kill you. undead. you ever Satan talked to a dead. corpse? Satan is our
0: pal. It's boring. are talking. Those were the days! Yes.
1: Yes, I do know that. I didn't think I did, but I do. <laughs> uh,
0: but first things first. Yeah. Cat.
1: Marshall.
0: Today's spooky gab will be brought to you by Cats Bursting to Tell Me Something.
1: I am currently a little over 48 hours into Blackout 21.
0: Which, wait, what? Do you
1: know anything about this?
0: I don't believe I do. No.
1: Do you know Blackout?
0: Well, that's where you go when there's no, like, light and they mess with you.
1: I don't know if there's no light. I've never done it. It's a haunted experience you go through alone. Yeah. Last year, the creators of Blackout wanted to bring an experience to people who could not go or didn't want to go to their actual physical haunts in New York, LA, San Francisco. So if you live in North Carolina and you don't have the money to go to New York, but you really want to do Blackout or... You live in New York and there's no way in hell you'd really go in and do blackout. So
0: you just sit at home and they yell at you over Skype?
1: Um, no. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because I you don't I'm want to give, not spoilers. give you specifics. Suffice to say that it is a four day, three night experience.
0: Which you're in the middle, you've taken some time out from to go to work and record a podcast?
1: There's no time out, the experience doesn't end.
0: Are you Uh, you in it right now? At any
1: point, yes. (laughs) I'm in it right now. So there are three chapters available right now. I'm in the middle of chapter one. Chapter one is currently $2.99.
0: Saying chapter is implying you're reading something? No. Okay.
1: Just that's what they call the experience. There's a chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. I'm in chapter one. And when you go to sign up and when you go to look at the FAQs, they tell you it's a four-day, three-night experience And they don't really tell you too much more. There are a couple of requirements that once you go in to start filling out your application are given. Requirements for what you have to do during that time period.
0: Okay, you've tried this before. You signed up with a different program. And it really didn't line up with your life and work, so you just kind of gave that one a pass.
1: Uh, No, I gave it a pass more specifically, and that was the tension experience Yeah. uh, because, A, I don't have the time. That is an incredibly complex journey that they want you to take. But also, there was a really, really incredibly invasive questionnaire that I didn't, I was interested, not at all, in filling out that asked a lot of personal questions. I get why it's a part of it, or at least I think I do, but it was not for me. This is slightly different from that.
0: So you're doing a thing right now, mm-hmm. but you can't say what it is. But you can say what it's called. Yeah. And are you so far recommending it to other people?
1: Yes. I think it's a really fun I use the word loosely option for people who uh so so I guess I thought it would be easier than going through like blackout haunted house. And I have no way to know because I have never done that and I'm not sure that I will. But it has been far and away a lot more difficult than I thought. I have had a hard time eating any food over the last couple of days. I am so stressed out. I haven't slept very much. So
0: is it the anticipation or? (laughs) Absolutely. Have they given you any genuine scares?
1: Both. Both.
0: Can you say how these scares were conveyed?
1: I could. I'm not going to.
0: Would you describe it as a multi communications platform experience? Yes. Yes. Alright, so on my end, I'm now picturing them contacting you through your various devices and possibly social media even, all in efforts to give you the heebie-jeebies.
1: I'll let you keep your guesses. I'm not going to give you anything on that. Okay. Um, Because here's why. It is endlessly tempting for me to go right this very moment, as anxious Mm -hmm. as I am, look online online. People always type out walkthroughs of this stuff, um, of, of these secret haunted houses, of experiences. I could go find that, and it would immediately pop that balloon and make me feel better because I would go, okay, phew, okay, all right, well, I know what's going to happen, and it takes the air out of it, and make, and I'm able to relax. I don't want to do that because I feel like I owe it to myself to finish it out without knowing what's going to happen, despite the fact that I'm completely... Agitated and paranoid. I mean, it's it's an exercise in paranoia, is what it is. If you do it right, and it's kind of doing for me what it's escapism. It's kind of doing for me what horror movies. What a horror movie would do. Absolutely, but just in a little bit more of a personalized, experiential way. And it's doing this excellent thing of helping me kind of like put things into perspective. And it's great. It's an interesting psychological exercise. Now, later tonight, when I'm when when whatever happens that's going to happen happens. I might be singing a different tune. I don't know. But it's been equal parts fun and terrible. So I do recommend it. I encourage you to at least give it a shot. There is a an out. You can call off at any time. I should you hope so. You can quit the experience if you want to. So if you decide once you're into it that it's not for you, you can get out of it. But um, yeah, good times, sort of.
0: Yeah, uh, hey, Cat.
1: Hey, Marshall.
0: So, uh, I'm a little bit country.
1: Oh, I'm definitely a little bit rock and roll.
0: I'm glad you picked up on that reference, because we've been studying the year 1976. And we're doing this episode all about horror movies, it's a horror movie podcast, and all things spooky from 1976, the bicentennial.
1: That's right, and the year Marshall was born.
0: Yes, catch one of our previous episodes Ghouls Just Want to Have Fun, where we discuss Kat's year of birth, 1984.
1: And I think it's important to mention that in that episode, as well as in this one, there's definitely quite a bit of historical context and pop culture context that will get added in, like Donnie and Marie. Because I think, um, number one, it's just fun. Yeah. But also, I don't think you can really be a true horror fan without kind of exploring the social and cultural things that go into horror. Horror, more than, in my opinion, really any other genre of film, is such a reflection of society. Um, especially of its fears. Yeah. I think you can't really discuss a year in horror without talking about the previous years and kind of what was going on in the world when that year in horror happened. A here, preoccupied and dedicated to the preservation of the motion of hips. Give
0: it a to with the 1976. Seems to me to be the year that the 70s got its own identity. Previous to that, the only thing I can really point to is the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. which lasted up until 1975 when the last American troops left Vietnam. The following year, they got to have their own decade for like less than the last half of it.
1: I came across that too in my research the idea that 1976 was kind of a turning point for the country and for the world, but, you know, things had been kind of tumultuous.
0: Well, you had Watergate, and now the president that they had wasn't even elected. But it is an election year, just as it was also an Olympics year.
1: And a leap year.
0: And a leap year, uh, same as the year of your birth. Mm -hmm. And it's like the country with their bicentennial decided to then double down on their patriotism, you know? 1776. Fireworks. There were works too. Yeah. They're like, okay, things were rough there for a while. More people have more rights now. We solved that, right? Racism's done.
1: Yeah, definitely. We know that's Civil to be rights, true. Civil rights
0: in the bag. Women's rights done. Check. Put a big check next to that and raise that flag.
1: Oh, boy. It was
0: kind of <laughs> what a I wouldn't
1: give to go back to that feeling.
0: Is it cynical? To say it was like a giant sort of back padding, the Uh, the bicentennial? I don't
1: think it's cynical. I think it's just kind of what was going on. And the other phrase that I came across that kind of speaks to what you're talking about is the 70s being known as the me decade, the idea that... Sure, we
0: got into this a little in our Invasion of the Body Snatchers 78 Uh episode. Yeah, we did. The self-help era.
1: Yeah, and the kind of way I heard it described is as a general new attitude of Americans toward individualism and away from communitarianism. Meaning, a movement away from focus on the community, as was kind of stressed in the 60s. All
0: right, I can dig it.
1: Hey guys, one more thing. Hey, this summer, when you're being inundated with all this American bicentennial 4th of July brouhaha, don't forget what you're celebrating, and that's the fact that a bunch of slave-owning aristocratic white males didn't want to pay their taxes.
0: Here's a little timeline leading up to '76. The first several are just what was going on in horror. The Dr. Fibes movies, with Vincent Price. Blacula in 72, along with Last House on the Left. It's Wes Craven. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie, only a movie. The Wicker Man. And in 1973, very important, The Exorcist was released. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Got a couple more uh, Hammer Horrors here in 74, Frankenstein the Monster from Hell, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, and then, also very important, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Would you fill her up, please? I got no gas. You're out
1: of gas? My tank's empty. Transport won't be here until late this
0: afternoon. Maybe not even until tomorrow morning. There was a fuel crisis. Energy crisis, as they called it.
1: Does that speak to this 55-mile-per-hour speed limit that yep. you have listed here? What? Tell me yeah. more.
0: Well, I mean, it sounds like a, a life-saving thing to, uh-huh. to bring the speed limits down to right. 55. Yeah. But really, it was more of just like an energy gas-saving Shut thing.
1: up. Yeah. I didn't know that.
0: Underneath that, the odd even license plates. Did you know about that? Yes. They would try to organize people getting gas as... Is it on
1: certain days?
0: On certain days, certain number license plates could get gas so it's like if the last number was even or odd
1: so if you were running low on a Tuesday and you knew you couldn't get gas until Thursday you just couldn't drive hitchhiker
0: should we pick him up also in 74 a streaker at the Oscars
1: I remember seeing footage of that there's something so fancy free you know what I mean about
0: someone just jetting through a public event
1: free to the world the implication yeah
0: Nixon resigns And Ford becomes president. Ford, who wasn't even the vice president. And
1: we're still talking about 1974. Yeah, we're still there. Yep.
0: But there's good times on the horizon because Young Frankenstein comes out (laughs) in December. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide gorilla? In 75, Trilogy of Terror comes out as well as Tommy the Who rock opera as early as April of 75 the bicentennial celebrations were already underway gearing up with a, uh, a reenactment of the battles of Lexington and Concord last a thousand American troops are evacuated from Saigon April 75 Jaws is released June 75 That's a big deal. we're gonna touch on that Rod Serling dies same month Squeaky Frome of the Manson family tries to kill Ford. Patty Hearst is arrested. Did you research her?
1: I did read generally about what happened, where she was kidnapped and then kind of converted, but then pardoned for her crimes, and it's the whole thing. And I was All just right. like, "Cat, don't have the time for this right now. So I didn't get too deep into it.
0: A fan of hers, let's just say Sarah Jane Moore, tries to kill Ford, same month. So two women trying to kill the president. Rocky Horror Picture Show comes out in September of 75 and October Saturday Night Live. Wow. Comes out. That was the Partridge Family's
1: Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted, followed by Edison Lighthouse's
0: Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes, as K. Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s Weekend just keeps on trucking. Bringing us to 1976. Now, you've got, uh, I've got a few things here, and I know you've got a few things, and that's yeah. really what the rest of this podcast is going to be about. Yep. 1976. Cat, take it away. I'll
1: take it away. Um, Peter Frampton's Frampton Comes Alive hits the Billboard Top 200 and remains there for 10 weeks, becoming the best-selling album of the year. Also in music, the Ramones released their first album, self-titled The $2 bill was reintroduced as part of the Bicentennial, so I don't know how long it had been gone, but came back in 76. The The first class of women is inducted at the U.S. Naval Academy. Family Feud debuted on television. David Berkowitz, otherwise known as the Son of Sam, begins his murder spree. The Viking One lander successfully lands on Mars, so the first time we've had anything touch down. USA! Mars, Mars, Mars uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth
0: David Bowie And I thought it was made just for David Bowie Like that's how perfect David Bowie is For The Man Who Fell to Earth and that, then,
1: I'm sorry, that's how perfect David Bowie is You can just end the sentence
0: okay. there I No, but I, I went in later years After watching the movie and like read the book And I'm like, it's all here It's just <laughs> all here And how, how did they ever expect to make this into a movie If they didn't have David Bowie yeah.
1: Ah. Helter Skelter, which I've read. It's a very long, very detailed book. Uh, and
0: uh, my mom read it while pregnant with while me. While pregnant
1: with you. I love that. Charlie's Angels came out. Cute. Taxi Driver came out. Yep. Uh, the Bicentennial, of course, July 4th, 1976.
0: That was really the, um, peak of the bicentennial celebration.
1: Um, Legionnaire's disease kills 29 people in Philadelphia. That's pretty bleak.
0: That was part of my list of things to come out of Philadelphia in 76. Boom. Legionnaire's disease. (laughs) Boom. Boom. Rocky. Ah. Best picture. The Broad Street Brawlers. That's what they called the Philadelphia Flyers at the time. Mm. Rob Zombie was hoping to make a movie about them. I hope he still will, because that'll be pretty cool and Dr. J, and me. (laughs) But this is a horror movie podcast. I think we've uh, set the stage pretty well for what was happening.
1: Yeah.
0: We wanted to focus on a couple of things. Um, we already have a whole Carrie episode, but I would like to take a moment to touch on those parts of Carrie that are really 1976.
1: Like the pubes?
0: Sure. <laughs> Women were going around, uh, full bush. Yeah, they were. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about the parts of gym class. <laughs> well,
1: what does that say about me that that's the first thing that I thought of? <laughs> I was like, I was thinking, well, the hair. Oh yeah, the hair.
0: Also for research... Cat for my birthday, what, two years ago? You bought me a uh, Playboy from the year of my birth.
1: Yeah, I did. I'm a good friend.
0: So it's sitting over there. It's got a uh, interview with James Caan. Fun. Yeah. And there's a whole bit about uh, a guy with ESP mm. that they, they look into. But I was more thinking about the parts of Carrie where people keep their clothes on mm-hmm. because of those short gym shorts. Yeah,
1: I, I hate that those went away.
0: The socks also got much yeah, lower. I mean, they, so they weren't like a, more fun, then. a proud flagpole with stripes at the top.
1: Yeah. Doing riff, gym class called on account of boredom.
0: Also, PJ Souls.
1: <laughs>
0: Between that movie, Carrie, and Rock and Roll High School, and Halloween. Yeah. The late 70s was just a good time to be and watch P.J. Souls. Yes. She's just great. I don't care about
1: rock, rock, rock and roll That's not where I want to be. Rock, rock, rock and,
0: roll and then John Travolta.
1: Oh, hey, Kyle, up your nose with rubber hose.
0: John Travolta had come to the world's attention barely a year before Carrie came out and was such hot stuff from his role as Vinnie Barbarino in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. First thing you gotta do is a Vinnie Barbarino look, okay? Your hair, for instance, very casual. It should look like it's being blown by unseen winds. I got this. It's a newspaper ad for Carrie, and the the top two thirds feature Sissy Spacek. If you've got a taste for terror, take Carrie to the prom, you know, scary. Carrie. Okay, that's the top two-thirds. Scary
1: with an
0: E. Whoops. Yeah. Okay, down below (laughs) is a picture of John Travolta. Oh, man. Resplendent with his hair. And it says, Mr. Cotter's Sweathog, John Travolta, all caps, in his new flick with Sissy Spacek as scary, quote, Carrie. Shouldn't they put the quote on scary? Doesn't matter. The point is, (laughs) John Travolta was, not when they filmed it, but by the time it came out. Such a selling point. And they
1: were capitalizing on that.
0: Yeah. Um, oh. And then, warning Carrie will put a curse on you if you tell the ending. I
1: love that.
0: No one will be admitted last 10 minutes. Who would want to come in just for the last 10 minutes?
1: I don't know, to tell people they saw the end of it. Okay. Maybe people were going for well, that ending, and then they go, ooh, I'm gonna
0: not stay permitted. It. Yeah. Wait for the next one. I love that. If you expect to see John Travolta
1: in all his resplendentness,
0: in some tight pants.
1: Welcome back. A little later, there will be a symbolic ringing of the Liberty Bell, symbolic because of its crack, but there will be a ringing of the Centennial Bell, which will ring 13 times.
0: There's one thing good cooks agree on it's good soup depends on good homestyle stock. World of Sports features a unique look at Evil Knievel, Daredevil, and Father.
1: I like my restaurants quiet, my ties, regimental, my music, country. <laughs> All right, now, just what is the problem? A sewer shark. (laughs) All right. Come on, let's hit that porcelain. Oh, I love to go... What
0: 1976 seemed to be full of, horror movie-wise, was reactions to a couple of things that had come before. One of them was The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, which gave us a couple of real winners when it came to the devil... And we got the first wave, as soon as they could get him out, of Jaws ripoffs. <laughs> and uh, let's look at those, and then we'll get back to Satan. Great. Satan's okay.
1: always waiting. Wow. You see the size of that thing? Boy, if we're going to catch him, we're going to need a bigger toilet.
0: 1975, Jaws came out. By March of 76, the Jaws attraction was Added to Universal Studios Hollywood. Is
1: that how soon? Yes. Holy cow.
0: Featuring the actual orca. The orca being the boat from Jaws. Yeah. It said that uh, Steven Spielberg, he actually said recently in an Entertainment Weekly interview that he would just go there to chill out. He would just like hang out in the orca and then showed up one day and the orca was gone and someone was like, uh, it was kind of falling apart. He's like, but the orca! It was my thing. Where am I going to go now? It's a big lot. I like to think he's got like some little grove of trees he likes to find. I know you watched Grizzly. I did. I watched Grizzly and I watched Dogs. You know what? I would get into the plot, but the plot is Jaws. Yeah. It's Jaws with a bear. Yes, it is. Yeah, you got the ranger, who's basically the cop of the forest. Yeah. And then you've got this sort of, like, the hippie nature guy, and that's... Um, I liked him. Yeah. It was cool.
1: The one he wore, wore, like, skins on his back, and he'd hide out, and...
0: Well, yeah, there but... There were a couple of those Then guys. the rest of the time, he dressed just like Hooper. Denim <laughs> jacket, black cap.
1: It's true. That's a great And point. he
0: didn't get along with the Quinn, and the Quinn was the helicopter pilot who was also in Vietnam.
1: He was cool. He had a very southern accent and sounded like he Matthew did. McConaughey.
0: And, and they would sort of like butt heads about what the best thing to do about this bear is. Because yeah. one's like, I love the bears. And the other one's like, bears are vicious killers. I'll tell you this story. And it's it's not just like the Indianapolis story, because he wasn't actually there for it, but it's about like an Indian tribe. And at the end, he's like, and I'm part Indian. And you're like, that's not quite as effective as the Indianapolis story. But... Grizzly is not as effective as Jaws. Yeah. And on top of everything else, the mayor character from Jaws, the guy even looks like him. <laughs> He's the park supervisor, and he won't close the park He's a
1: bad guy. to the
0: tourists. Yeah. And they really try to we'll lose stretch money. No, it's not even money. He wants like some kind of placement in Washington.
1: Oh right.
0: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. It just okay. I, I wrote this whole part down. He's like, "What's your problem with me?" And the park supervisor goes, "You're a maverick." We have no room for Mavericks.
1: Oh, boy. Come on. Oh, boy.
0: And the point of view shots of the bear. Like, huh. like, like that's how how we, we meet the bear. Yeah. Just from that, like, Jaws-esque point of view shot through the woods until it finds its first female victim. And quickly followed by a second female victim. Um, so there it's a little different.
1: Yeah. And the bear kills, I thought, were kind of fun. Parts of them were pretty cheesy, but...
0: Well, it took a kid's leg off. Yeah. It's really fast, but you're just like, wah! Did I just see a a kid with one leg? Yeah. And it's after that kid dies that, just like in Jaws, the park supervisor slash mayor character is like at the hospital where the kid's being treated, and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I see the error of my ways. Do whatever you need. I'm going to evacuate the park, and you guys just have free reign to hunt this bear for the last act of the film. Yeah. Which is, again, basically Jaws. Yeah. Really... To appreciate Grizzly is to doubly appreciate Jaws. Dogs, they're coming. They're coming your way. They'll be here soon. Will you be ready? Dogs is also a Jaws ripoff. Oh, okay. This is like something's happening with like the pheromones between dogs, and there's like some kind of like government testing near this college town. Uh-oh. They never get into it. It's not like they ever go to the, the army base and be like, Turn it all off! Because the last part of it kind of turns into, like, the birds. Okay. Right?
1: That sounds terrifying, actually.
0: But to me. for a while, you get that, again, starts with a point of view. Yeah. Dog going through the party of people, and it's like, hey, boy. And its point of view just, like, goes around until it leaves the party, and then all the dogs from different houses all sort of, like, join together and then do, like, a slow-motion run down the street where it's like,
1: ah, oh, dogs. Terrifying. Um, no, no, that's legit scary to me.
0: But once again, the free-thinking guy who's going up against the dogs, denim jacket. Wow. Maybe it was just the style of the times or that was like code for he's smart, but he's cool. He's, he's not afraid to get dirty. Yeah. He's going to wear a denim jacket. But at one point where he's looking at the corpse of first cattle, then people, and I forget what she's looking at when he says, the bite radii is inconsistent. Huh. Just a straight lift from uh, Richard Dreyfuss is talking about the bite radius of the great white shark versus the tiger shark. Uh.
1: <laughs> Marshall is ever so slightly shaking his head back and forth.
0: Oh, and instead of a uh, a mayor, this one has the college president, who's like, "Evacuate the college!" Preposterous. <laughs> Like, why would anybody in charge listen to scientists? Uh, Could you tell us something about
1: this uh, so-called sewer shark? Oh, well, just a minute. Hold on, just a minute. Now, this happens
0: to be a rumor, and I'm not closing down my apartment building just because of some lousy rumor. The ending, it's got a little twist, because they're sort of driving away the bird style, you know, just getting out of this town. Yeah. And then up over, like, a little embankment comes a cat! Oh, And it just, like, And he's like, freezes on the cat. It's just like, oh, now cats!
1: Stay tuned for cats!
0: We're all duped. <laughs> but Grizzly does manage to end a lot closer to um, Jaws, which is they land the helicopter, and then the bear destroys it. And guns don't seem to really hurt it. It's this giant bear. Yeah. But he has what I will just describe as a smallish bazooka. He's just like, well, smaller guns haven't worked bigger gun, and he blows up the bear. The yep. bear goes up in an explosion.
1: I gotta say, that was real shocking to watch.
0: Not, Not this guy, that. because that's how Jaws ended. Oh, To well, me, sure. if yeah. that bear didn't blow up, i think something was wrong.
1: We did it! did If you were one of the millions of moviegoers who were electrified by the unbearable suspense and sheer terror of Jaws, Get ready for Eaten Alive. Created by Toby Hooper, maker of the screen sensation The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I watched Eaten Alive.
0: So this came two years after Texas Chainsaw? Yes. So in between Funhouse and Texas Chainsaw came Eaten Alive. Yeah. I know literally nothing about it.
1: Oh fun!
0: Cat, hit me.
1: Okay, so Eaten Alive. Actually, I think you'll really enjoy this movie, it's a good time. Okay. It's widely considered to be kind of inferior to Texas Chainsaw, but it has a lot of the same kind of feeling to it in some ways. There's not really a plot. I mean, sort of, it's kind of a series of things that happen. This backwoods, rednecky guy who has a motel that also, it's kind of like a roadside stand attraction kind of situation because he's got a zoo as well. Okay. Which means like dirty cages with like monkeys and rats that in it. That used
0: to be more of a thing. Uh
1: huh. And a giant crocodile.
0: When I saw her on the floor,
1: she told me, told me, tell me, tell me. The movie begins with a girl getting basically kicked out of a whorehouse she's trying to work in because she won't do what a patron wants her to do. And that patron is a young Robert England. Oh. Um, he's great, and it's really fun to what watch a treat. him. Yes. Uh, that, there's no other word for it than that. Total treat. And she heads down the road to stay at this motel called The Starlight, and, of course, gets attacked by the guy who... The guy who runs the place is not all there. He's, he's a wackadoo. And basically, this movie is different people coming to the motel, and him... Killing them. And tossing them to this crocodile.
0: Oh, that old rock face. No stinkies, Not at all. Eat anything. Anything at all. Okay.
1: The other thing about it is this movie is shot so incredibly tightly... And I was reading that the entire movie was shot on a soundstage at Raleigh Studios, which is on Melrose. And I think it suffers a little for that because it doesn't, it just feels, it feels odd. Because even the external shots of the outside of the house don't feel- Honestly,
0: after the experience of filming Texas Chainsaw, I would just demand air conditioning. Yes,
1: sure. Oh, now, now, Buck, I tell you
0: what you do. You get your hat and you go on downstairs and you pick out two of my very best girls. No extra charge. Two. That's right. Two.
1: The One? Exactly. It's definitely worth watching if for no other reason than Robert England sure. and Miss Hattie, the woman who runs the the Lady of the Night House, the Whore House. The local
0: Press is huh? It's yep.
1: played by none other than Carolyn Jones. Huh. It's actually kind of crazy if you think about it. And she's great. She's got this southern accent and she talks like, well, why don't y'all come on in here and we'll talk about it? Carolyn Jones. So I think just for Robert England and Carolyn Jones alone, and I think the guy who plays the kind of wackadoo motel owner is pretty good. You know, it's a strange movie, but, you know, if you're a completist and you're like, I want to see every Toby Hooper movie, then this is obviously a must. You don't ever really get a super great view of this crocodile that he says, everyone says it's an alligator, and he says, no, it's a crocodile from Africa, and it, it'll never die until you kill it. Um, It's weird But this is not I guess What all that is to say This is not a movie Where there's an animal Victimizing everyone He uses it as a tool He'll throw someone Over the railing And it'll eat the person
0: Speaking of 1976 And just sort of Where we were Special effects wise When it comes to Like if you want to have An alligator eating a person You want to make it look real Are you going to have A fake alligator Are you going to have A fake person Are you just going to Sort of like Do it all off screen We were well past Stop motion
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, audiences had gotten savvy enough to spot it and it was no longer, in most cases, something you could really scare people with, you know, having a stop-motion monster. Right. I think it could still be fantastical, but not so much scary. Shark still looks fake. And we were still several years out from CGI. So what we had were people in costumes, animatronics, advanced puppetry, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I don't know what, what they wound up using for your... Uh, for your yeah, alligator, probably
1: a big old puppet.
0: but one of the movies that I watched from 1976,
1: the King Kong remake. Oh wow!
0: Where the face of King Kong looked pretty all right. No more stop motion. You know, 1933 King Kong. Uh, still many years away from the 2005 CGI King Kong mm-hmm. that just looked spectacular. So what we had was a face that looked pretty good, but a suit that did not look that good. Um, In the credits, it gave, and special thanks to contributions, or thanks to special contributions, to Rick Baker, who I understand was actually in the suit. (laughs) But I would like to take a moment to look at that King Kong and those parts that made it indicative to the era. It is 1976. The American merchant vessel Petrox Explorer has just set sail from the port of Surabaya in search of oil. What they find will shock the world. The energy crisis came through in the fact that it wasn't a movie company going to this mysterious island to film a fantastic movie, which the principles behind that were still true in the 70s, meaning that like even King Kong the movie, one of its selling points was the fact that it went to some great natural location And gave us some great big wide shots of like, look at this island we went to. And I also recently saw on the the big screen, I was telling you, Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Where they're like, look at where we are, some national park with all these great cliffs. And I've kind of forgotten in this day and age how much of a selling point that used to be. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that a company could go on location or just anywhere that would actually go to Africa. Go to Africa to make their movie. Yeah. Instead of just... CGIing it now right. was um, was a selling point, and in King Kong you get some of that once they actually get to Skull Island. You
1: get the spectacle of you know you can't of somewhere else there, on earth, but you can be transported there. Yeah. not just transported to a great story, but transported to a location you've never seen before and get, feel like you're there.
0: Yeah, and matte paintings were still a thing for a few more years, but I think audiences had also grown kind of savvy to them. They could really tell. Yeah. When things weren't the real deal. And they could also tell when things were the real deal. But this particular expedition to Skull Island was to find oil. Because during the energy crisis, it was all about getting your hands on some untapped oil. Not having to rely on uh, oil from the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Who can just uh, embargo us if they're feeling kind of raw. So Charles Grodin is an oil executive who like sets off this exhibition, but I instead love of him. finding, yeah, he is great. He's got a good line in it. When they reach the island, he goes, "Let's not get eaten alive. Bring the mosquito spray."
1: because
0: <laughs> ah! they don't expect to find a giant ape. Right. But they do. They've got a girl with them because like a, a ship had wrecked and she was like in a life raft and it's like convenient. Yeah, and bang, Jessica Lang.
1: Heard she's really sexy in this movie. She but she's really is. sexy in everything.
0: That's true. Yeah. I have trouble keeping my willowy blondes straight. Uh-huh. So I was like, Sybil Shepherd? No? Faye Donald? No. Jessica Lang. <laughs> Jessica Lang. And introducing Jessica Lang as the beauty who charmed the beast. And starring the eighth wonder of the world. King Kong. And then when it comes to, you know, let's bring King Kong back and oh, because it turns out there is no decent oil on the island. So Charles Groden. It's like, who could be so short-sighted and so greedy as to put everybody in danger and just be mean to Kong by taking him out of his home and keeping him in this cage and showing him off in New York City? Bad for Kong, bad for New York City. An oil man. Yes. An oil man. Yes.
1: And this is a great moment to talk about the fact that when we talk about these nature run amok movies, these creature movies mm. um, of this time period that became so popular, you know, you've placed us in oil crisis and um, the EPA. I, I had a note about the exact year it was formed. Uh, let me let me look at this. Sure. The EPA was founded in 1970 during the Nixon administration. And a lot of this environmental emphasis on trying to be careful about what we're doing to the environment came from this book, Silent Spring, which was published in 1962. It was about pesticides, among other things, and their effect on the environment and our food. And just, you know, we were becoming more conscious of the fact that their effect
0: on giant grasshoppers we're
1: affecting in
0: that Peter Graves movie we may be witnessing the beginning of an era that will mean the complete annihilation of man annihilation? the beginning of the end
1: we're affecting the environment around us and it's damaging and we'd better be careful and that becomes like kind of personified or whatever word you want to use in these creatures that are biting back and it's kind of a punishment for us meddling as it were
0: And if you're sitting in a long gas line where people did, I hear, shoot each other from time to time or just get into fights. Yeah. At least. I don't know. It may have gotten sort of blown out of proportion.
1: No, I'm sure. I feel like I've heard that before, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're in line for like four hours on a hot summer day and somebody cuts in front of you or, you know, gets the last of the, you know.
0: Then you go to see a movie where you've got the wicked oil man running around and then he gets stepped on and you're like, yeah, take that gasoline fellow. What I did not remember, and I I had seen this movie before, not taking notes on it, was that when they reveal Kong in New York, like, to the public, and Grodin gets on the mic and he's like, hail to the power of Kong and Petrox, which is, like, the brand the gasoline company works for. Okay, like, the curtains part, and there is a giant gas pump. Whoa. Kong has been encased in a giant... Gas pump.
1: Symbolism.
0: Which is then taken down to reveal Kong. Uh huh. But for a while, like, like it's carted out as if it is itself the monster. Right. It's a giant gas pump.
1: And isn't it? Oh. <laughs> you want to eat me? Then go ahead! Do it! <laughs>
0: Let's uh, circle back to The Omen. Yes.
1: Marshall, I really hope that at some point during this podcast you're going to play that incredible score, the incredible music from The Omen.
0: Wait. Okay.
1: The best. The best!
0: It earned Jerry Goldsmith his first Oscar win.
1: And it earns me feelings of coolness when I play it as I drive down the road.
0: Really? <laughs>
1: Put that music on and drive down the road, and tell me you don't feel like you're on a mission for Satan or to fight Satan. Driver's choice. It goes
0: either way. Yeah. It's Latin, I believe, right? Song tools. And kind of new for the time, the idea of like putting chanting into a movie score Incredible. like that. <laughs> It was not a book like The Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby was. It was unquestionably made on the heat of those films.
1: Absolutely. And okay.
0: America's growing interest in Satan slash fear.
1: I like what you're saying about the, the fascination with and fear of Satan. Um, Their
0: enthusiasm.
1: Yes. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> A couple of years ago obtained a friend of mine from college wrote her master's thesis on the omen rosemary's baby and the exorcist those three films and their texts the the books and the title of her thesis was sympathy for the devil an examination of the satanic horrors of rosemary's baby the exorcist and the omen through the lens of 1960s american politics religion and society and her name is Julie, by the way. Um, shout out to Julie. Uh, Julie. What Julie talks about in her thesis and that I think is really interesting to think about is, as you and I mentioned, we were talking about the years leading up to the 70s. The Vietnam War was going on. There was a lot of distrust of the government. A lot of the focus on the home and domesticity and the nuclear family... All that focus on community, all that stuff that had gone on in the 50s and early 60s had been dismantled and kind of really shaken up and people were kind of a little jaded.
0: Remember, never trust anybody over 30. There
1: is certainly something to the idea that by, especially by 1976, we'd sort of, we'd kind of gotten solid again and we were on a, a couple new... Kind of cool roads, there was kind of a focus on the environment. There's all kinds of different stuff going on that. but when we're talking about what Julie says in her master's thesis, which and by the way, like it's a really good read, I think it's really interesting if anyone who's listening is interested in reading it, assuming she says it's okay, I'm happy to pass it along if anyone wants to read this. But Julie talks about how there were a couple of aspects of American life that were kind of breaking down during this time. There was social upheaval, religious questioning, cultural change, and personal confusion. And I think you can look at the rise in kind of Satan movies and movies that touch on these topics of religion as a result of the kind of breakdown of those institutions, the family, the social structures, the religion, and then kind of a restructuring of that. Some people moving away from it, some people becoming more fundamentalist. And I think in some ways the uptick in Satan themes... In movies. In movies. Was kind of um, playing on the fear of what's happening now that, you know, is God dead, as the Time Magazine cover says in In, Rosemary's Baby. You know, what happens if we all lose our faith? What happens if we're all leaving the church? Is Satan going to rise up because he's just waiting for us to, you know? But I think there is also something in the idea of Satan and Satanists that is also, like, kind of exciting and, like, dangerous. They don't have to follow the rules, They're cool. I mean, look at Al Pacino in Devil's Advocate. He's the coolest guy you've ever met. Al Pacino. Attica. Attica. Attica.
0: Yeah, when when things break down, there really weren't Satanists waiting in the wings to take over things. But there was the fear. Yeah. And when you've got the fear, after a while, you don't even need anybody out there taking or not taking babies because the fear is now its own snowball
1: and there's a theme in these movies of satan using satan or any demonic presence using children to come through and i think that is in many ways a reflection of you know we, we talk about the older generation who was all about community and the family and you know the church then their kids are these crazy hippies who are, you know, all about free love and throwing off the structures well, of old. And it is a frightening concept, the idea of that's how they get through, is the kids.
0: Yes. First with a baby, then with a little girl, then with a little boy who, uh, like Rosemary's Baby, is the Antichrist, as far as we know. Whereas Rosemary's Baby had the benefit of having actual declaring themselves to be, you know, like a coven of Satanists running around performing misdeeds,
1: which like you said, wasn't really a reality of what Mm. Satanists were like, or there weren't people out there like that. But you know, I'm sure after Rosemary's baby, a lot of people were afraid that's exactly what was going on yeah, and believed that was exactly what was going on. The perfect marriage of ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife, Catherine was fulfilled by the birth of their son, Damien. And then, when the child was five years old, something terrible happened Was it an accident?
0: was it murder? Was it a coincidence or was it an omen What the omen had was that you were never completely a hundred percent sure it was happening at all yeah, because this mostly comes from the commentary I just watched today and i 'd seen it previously. The script was full of like black hooded satanists and a much more on the nose kinds of things yeah but that was all taken out and what's left everything could just sort of be interpreted like well clearly the rottweiler has powers or it's just a rottweiler Uh uh-huh clearly there was something possessing the first nanny to jump with a noose
1: or she just went cuckoo pants exactly that had nothing to do with satan
0: clearly you can see in the photographs the way people are going to die right david warner did that or there's just something wrong with the development paper. Everything right. That's
1: had a coincidentally kind of in the same shape as the way they died.
0: Yeah. So, if nothing else, just for The Great Gregory Peck, oh my gosh. Oh
1: man, what he's a the get.
0: best. And And he
1: didn't initially want to do the movie, did he? I feel like I read that.
0: There's different or things. maybe
1: yeah, I don't know. Look, I've been reading He he'd a lot.
0: lost a son like Ooh. kind of like right before. Oh. The movie. So people are you read one thing and it says that, like, uh, he almost didn't do it. And then some people say, that's why he did it. Uh-huh. There's also the the Omen curse, which is right up there with the Poltergeist curse, which is, yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. They also say there's an exorcist curse. They also say there's a Macbeth curse.
1: Yeah. But I read that Gregory Peck decided to do the film because he really looked at it as a very intense kind of psychological thriller.
0: Yeah, from his a perspective, drama,
1: rather than like a horror film, it
0: was a man going insane around the events concerning his son.
1: Yeah,
0: a, a man who did one wrong thing. Like he's a real stand-up guy. He's basically yeah. Atticus Finch a few years later,
1: right? And that's what he's we're looking at him as a
0: stand-up, straightforward guy who does one thing wrong.
1: I mean, could we even say it's wrong? I mean, he does it in a well-intentioned manner. Uh, yes, it's a huge about lie to his the, wife. the path
0: of hell being paved with good intentions. Right, absolutely. Could, could fit right there.
1: Yeah. Um, but he meant well. You know, he, yeah. he says it'll kill her to know that. I mean, you know, his wife has just given birth. She's asleep. She's passed out. She doesn't know that their child didn't make it. Yeah. And so he's but left. But there's this
0: other baby that was just born and has no family. Yeah. And, and, and the the just swap is him like, out. It
1: even looks like you. Yeah. And he's like... It's white. Okay. Yeah.
0: So he tells a little white lie. Yeah. And boy, that comes back to bite him.
1: It does. I was... I'll tell you what I had not remembered about this movie is that every single solitary death in this film is jarring and traumatizing. I didn't remember that. And every time I was... I was watching it and There's was There's not that next many, but
0: they really do... They
1: pack a punch.
0: Yeah, they're not dismissive. I
1: was screaming. Like, I would go... Wow oh my god, like watching it with headphones and he's like, what are you doing? What is wrong with you? And I'm like, I, I, this movie it's insanity and it's so, it's full of that baddie fun, like crazy you know, there's like music playing and someone's doing something insane, like the nanny, the the replacement nanny Miss Bailock, Miss Baylock, which is like the name of a demon or something, and she you know, she's, the mom is like watering plants and standing at, and she's watching Damien, and he's going in circles and circles and circles on his little tricycle, and then and she opens the door and then he leaves, and she just looks at him like, Yeah, go do some murder. And yeah, it just just absolutely. It's so wonderful because the omen does this great job of we're grounded. Like Gregory Peck is so believable, and he's such a real person, and we really care about him. And yeah. then there's by like
0: the time he super believes, more
1: kooky, Satan y stuff going on, too.
0: Yeah, if Gregory Peck at some point, like you know, turns to Cameron, and just goes, Well, I'm gonna fight Satan, you're like. Then then I guess that's what's happening, because right. you're Gregory Peck. Yeah. David Warner's death, the photographer.
1: Oh, the, that was the one the where, plane where of I screamed. Glass, that's where I screamed.
0: They, they play it from several different angles, which that's nothing really new. But the reason they did it that way is because if somebody looks away from the screen, as the inevitable happens, that by the time they look back, it's going to happen again.
1: Shut up. That's why they did it that way? Yeah. Evil. Right? Evil incarnate. They were yeah. they didn't want someone that's, to go uh, like, ooh, and look away and then look back and go, I'm glad I'd missed that. Oh, I didn't miss it.
0: That's Richard Donner for you, who uh Richard Donner also brought us uh Goonies hmm. and uh and Superman. Episodes,
1: episodes of Tales from the Crypt.
0: And the Lethal Weapon films. Um,
1: do you have a favorite death in the Omen?
0: I'd say that was probably it.
1: Mine is
0: because well, it was a pre-final destination. Yeah. It's like lightning strikes the lightning rod i guess and yeah. then kills the one guy yeah you know everyone just sort of seems to get killed by circumstance and this one is just like you see the emergency brake get popped yep. out of place yep.
1: i fully expected i've forgotten but i thought the truck was just gonna like run into him and like run over him and it was gonna be like oh he died so i forgot and didn't remember this just like the hit, crazy his head would just come right off um my favorite is a tie between the shockingness, the incredible like weight of the first, you know, when the nanny hangs herself. Completely oh, yeah. shocking and will never leave my brain and haunt my dreams forever. But the mother, her death falling through the roof of the ambulance and how hard she hits and, and then, then the, the doors, doors pop open and she's just lying there. I mean, completely traumatizing. Completely. There are far more gratuitous, gory deaths in movies that I've seen in the last 10 years where people's guts are hanging out on the floor and they're just awful things are happening and you can see everything that are not close to as nightmare fuel charged deaths as that mother dying falling from the hospital yeah because
0: it's not just illness. some like random camper that we just met five minutes ago right we've been following this woman through her ups and downs
1: yeah and she's so sweet and she cares so much and she's Almost to safety. He's called her. Yeah, she's about like, to leave. She's like getting ready to leave and she gets tangled up in her clothes and then Mrs. Baylock shows up and all bets are off. Yep. Was she pushed trauma.
0: or did she just trip?
1: And we don't see that either. No. Ugh. It's perfect it's a perfect movie.
0: And the ending spoiler alert. Yeah. People.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh it was supposed to be three coffins, basically, you know the mother of Gregory Peck and and little Damien as if he had succeeded in killing Damien with these uh, ancient knives I
1: didn't know that that he
0: takes on an airplane right because
1: it's pre 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 9-11 yeah
0: (laughs) when you could do that yeah and then uh, Alan Ladd Jr. over at Fox was like nah nah let the kid live incredible give me a shot where that kid so not only do we get a shot of the kid who is now being taken care of by the President of the United States yeah. because Gregory Peck played like his friend slash ambassador mm-hmm. to Great Britain. They do that great, you know, he turns, looks right in the camera, and the direction to get him to smile was to tell him not to smile. Whatever you do, don't smile. Don't you dare smile. Shut up. Don't you dare smile. And then a million dollar smile. Perfect movie. The end.
1: Perfect movie.
0: Also, that year was To The Devil a Daughter. Oh boy. You had introduced this to me as being the final Hammer horror film. One of
1: the final. I realized that was a mistype.
0: Well, they've restarted in the last, you know, 10 years.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, excluding that, they did make a a movie after that, but that was like a mystery comedy. So, this is not the last Hammer film, but the last Hammer horror film. Right. So, in that sense, you were correct. The evil power of black magic has fascinated millions of moviegoers. In 1967, Rosemary's
1: Baby. In 1974, The Exorcist. And now,
0: a motion picture that probes further into the mysteries of the occult that any has dared before. To the Devil, a Daughter. Following the moviegoing audience's enthusiasm for the devil, To the Devil, a Daughter, with Christopher Lee. Yeah. Because if he's you're going to go out, go out with Christopher Lee. Yeah. Kat, your thoughts? Um, Here's mine. Not a great film.
1: Nope. <laughs> I
0: think if it was, they would have made a few more Hammer Horror films. Yeah. It's very confusing. You don't know what the bad guy's plan is. Yeah. Which is fine, but then you also don't know what the good guy's plan is. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: So, we no longer have a little girl or a baby or a little boy. Now we've got Natasha Kinsky.
1: Yeah, she's beautiful.
0: Hammer couldn't really keep up with the US as far as gore went. So, they upped their sex. Yeah, they did.
1: Man, I say, I was not expecting the orgy that I witnessed in this film.
0: In which you got to see part of Christopher Lee's butt.
1: Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And also, you know, squiggly fetus re-entering the vagina. There were
0: some really creepy Whoa. moments.
1: Whoa. The rest of the movie, I agree, was kind of like, eh, forgettable. There, there was Christopher that. Lee's performance is great, but the plot, all that stuff. But yeah, when it got plot. batty... It was kind of fun, and I enjoyed every moment I had with the Satanists who are bleeding themselves and that part. That stuff was cool. That stuff was cool.
0: She so she, she just like sitting there with, with a blood giving kit and just like squeezing the ball, just like you do when you give blood. But she's on like number four, and she's just burr burr done. Yeah, done.
1: Totally creeped out.
0: <laughs> if you're a, a Hammer horror completist, then graduate. <laughs> Yeah. By watching To the Devil, A Daughter. If you just want to see some off-the-rails hammer horror in its later years, my suggestion, go back one film to The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires.
1: Whoa. Black belt against black magic. Everybody was kung fu fighting.
0: If you want to see Peter Cushing with some kung fu fighting <laughs> in a joint hammer horror Shaw Brothers film, Shaw Brothers being the uh, Kung Fu studio of the day.
1: You have such an affection for this movie, I really need to watch it.
0: I do. The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Check it out. And then if you're like, wow, God, I'm just so awake now. What do I do? Then you can watch To The Devil a Daughter.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's that aftershave you're wearing? Gah! You high karate after to shave is so powerful, it drives women right out of their minds.
1: Gosh, Burger Chef, it's Wolf Burger, the werewolf. Where
0: can I get delicious burgers? And we'd like to thank all our wonderful guests for making this Halloween show so special. Jim Neighbors.
1: Right, the Hudson Brothers. Yeah. Shields in here yeah. now. Right.
0: Participating Burger Chefs, you can buy fun meals that now come on Halloween Magic Meal Trays.
1: Halloween fun with one stop shopping at Woolworth or Woolco for your Halloween needs. Costumes from $1.83 to $3.99. You can get wrapped candies of every kind. Bubble gum, lollipops, fun-size candy bars. Get this Halloween record. Sounds to make you shiver just a dollar eighty-nine.
0: Every year has a Halloween. And Halloween in nineteen seventy-six was filled with those costumes where you would just get like a plastic smock representing a picture. Of whatever it was you were supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And then the mask would be yeah. the, like the head.
1: I'm Radioactive Man! I don't think the real Radioactive Man wears a plastic smock with a picture of himself on it. He would on Halloween!
0: The biggest company for that was Ben Cooper, and then there was also a company called Collegeville. And between the two of them, they had the huge out at the time Wolfman, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Collegeville's got the rights to Jaws. You could have, like, a picture from Jaws, like the poster, on your chest, and then you would wear, like, a shark's head. Oh, boy. Just the head. Uh-huh. So there's really no telling where a head, where things really stop and begin on a shark. You just have to pick a point and say, that's the neck. Yeah. So, Ben Cooper just had shark, but it was, it was Jaws. Yeah. You know, just didn't say Jaws. Shazam, the $6 million man. you still think Bigfoot's a hoax? I don't know what to think. College had Starsky and Hutch. Vinnie Barberino. Oh,
1: boy.
0: Space 1999. That was a big thing that year. Doesn't really seem to have made it out of the 70s, but if you look right over here, uh-huh. boom, on, on my one copy of Famous Monsters of Film Is that 76. A movie? No, it was a TV show. Oh, okay. Space 1999. Never heard of that. It had, like, Martin Landau and good guest stars. For the Bicentennial, you could be Uncle Sam or George Washington or a male or female Indian.
1: Fine choices.
0: Uh, Grape Ape. Wizard of Oz characters, Disney characters, some superheroes—Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman—or you could be Isis.
1: Mighty Isis.
0: Isis. Used to mean something very different.
1: Uh, <laughs> Isis so was like an Egyptian
0: well, it was an Egyptian goddess uh-huh. who was a superhero. She was a teacher who only seemed to save as a very powerful superhero with like these Egyptian goddess powers. Uh-huh. The only people that ever got in trouble that she saved were people like in her school. Like she didn't even take care of a whole city or the world or anything like that. Uh-huh. But every now and then one of her students will be like, you know, get lost in the woods. And she's like, by the power of ISIS, uh-huh. and then go find them. Yeah. I'm really worried about Mickey and Lee and the others. What about them? They went up to the mountains to get a picture of Bigfoot. Uh, you could also be the devil or Bozo the Clown.
1: Margaret, we must be way out of town by now. <laughs> You're hitting
0: fewer people. (laughs) Where are we going? Away from those pesky kids with their Halloween pranks. Someplace where no kids could ever find you. To my sister's house.
1: Oh, what's that like?
0: It's well-preserved. You'll have lots of fun. You're (laughs) well-preserved. You're no fun. And then, getting close to Halloween, on October 29th, on ABC... Uh-huh. Was the Paul Lynn Halloween special.
1: Oh, let's disco.
0: Featuring Kiss, featuring Disco, featuring Florence Henderson, and it really is a great glittery time capsule for 1976.
1: Glittery's right. That rhinestone trucker.
0: And our love of truckers and CB radio that really
1: loves <laughs> helped those.
0: define the era. We talk more about it on our Halloween specials episode. Mm-hmm.
1: In great um, detail.
0: Where then, just as now, we are just sort of equally just sort of stupefied by the whole spectacle. Halloween.
1: I like that funky stuff.
0: <laughs> you know what aired immediately after that?
1: On the same night?
0: On the same night. The ABC Friday night movie, Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby. Oh. The sequel for television of Rosemary's Ooh. Baby. I, I
1: feel like I've read about it before and that... The consensus is uh, there's a reason why you don't really hear people talk about it.
0: Yeah, Ruth Gordon did come back as Minnie.
1: Oh, Snips and Snails and Puppies Dog's Tales.
0: And Patty Duke was Rosemary. Okay. I read a little bit about it today. It sort of details...
1: Because it's more about Rosemary's baby.
0: Yeah, it details her leaving the cult. And then it's just like, 20 years later, what's he up to? Well, Margaret, your sister is a witch.
1: Getting out of here! No, oh, don't Mr. Lin. There's
0: nothing to be frightened of. My pretty. Rewinding a bit to Paul Lin's Halloween special. Uh, one of the perks of it, there were two witches. One was Witchy Pooh from H.R. Puffin stuff, mm-hmm. and the other was Margaret Hamilton, becoming the Wicked Witch of the West once again, uh, at at sure age seventy three. Also that year, Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch made a little stopover at a place called Sesame Street.
1: They aired that episode once and then pulled it because it was considered to be too scary for the kids. Is that what happened?
0: Yeah. They got a bunch of letters and it was like she was flying over and she dropped her broom and she was looking for it and she goes to Mr. Hooper's store and she threatens to turn Big Bird into a feather duster. Oh my goodness. Oscar the Grouch really likes her and then Big Bird kind of comes to like her too and then is sad when she leaves, but they got so much negative feedback from parents and they were like, just pull it. And no one's really seen it since. I, uh, man. Some people think that it was just straight up destroyed. However, the year before, in 75, Margaret Hamilton went on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with the costume so she could dress up in it and to prove to kids that they shouldn't be afraid of the witch. And she talks about how the witch is just frustrated because nothing really goes right for her. I love that. And that footage does exist, and I watched it this morning. Wow. Wow. It's an hour of fun tonight, beginning at 8, 7
1: Central and Mountain. See Bigfoot, That Girl, Muhammad Ali, and your favorite cartoon, Scooby Doo, tomorrow on The Bill Cosby Show.
0: Crunchy, too. One great way to
1: start your hard work and breakfast Kellogg's Sugar Pops. Lunch. I said lunch, not lunch.
0: Speaking of children's programming, mm-hmm. I went over to Dark Delicacies and made myself a purchase. Of a monster show that only lasted one season And that season was during 1976 I refer to Monster Squad My name's Walt I work as night watchman here at Fred's Wax Museum To put myself through criminology college It used to be very lonely Until recently when I plugged in my crime computer Suddenly, oscillating vibrations brought to life Three legendary monsters
1: Dracula The Werewolf Frankenstein!
0: And together, they solve crimes.
1: Wow, this is um, like fun. In
0: that it is very silly.
1: All 13 original episodes.
0: It's very much like the Batman series with a lower budget.
1: Uh-huh. Um, but by the same team that brought you the famous 1960s Batman series.
0: I never even read the back of it.
1: That's what
0: it says. Oh my gosh, well that makes perfect sense there because... you go. you nailed it. Julie Newmar shows up once as the Ultra Witch. They've got like one sort of sparkly themed criminal in uh-huh. each episode to defeat... And her plan was to make all the cows stop making milk. And then what will people eat with their cookies? Right. And then Sid Haig shows up in another episode as Chief Running Nose. Oh, boy. Just to give you an idea. And the human was played by Fred Grandy. And after this show ended, after 13 episodes, he found employment on the love boat. So he did okay. And some of the jokes, um, I really never found myself laughing out loud. But, like, there was one bad guy who had a sausage machine. He was going to turn them into like meat products. Uh-huh. He's like, I'll make him Frankenstein into frankenfruters and Dracula. He'll make into blood sausage.
1: Oh boy. I kind of love those kinds of punny jokes.
0: And then remember this was 76. So he would have been like probably the governor of California at the time. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> the ultra, witch has the Ronald Ray gun. Oh boy. That, you know, yeah. a Ray gun. Yeah. But it's the Ronald Ray oh, gun. I get it. And one guy says, a little more topical, I am not a crook, because we were fresh off of Watergate. Yeah. Bad guys also include the Queen Bee, and the Tickler, and the Ringmaster. You know what? Come October time, if you find yourself purchasing the monster cereals, your Count Chocula, Booberry, Frankenberry... Which I will be. This doesn't make a a bad compliment while you're eating your... For a
1: Saturday morning?
0: When you're eating your monster cereal. At least we won't have to worry about the astrologer for a while. Yeah. According to the stars and the judge, he'll be doing 20 years to life. <laughs> and you guys are scheduled to receive a special commendation this
1: wonderful country's greatest honor. Oh? What is it called? That's it. This wonderful country's greatest honor award.
0: For research, I purchased, and we've been referring to this, the famous monsters of Filmland. That's from December of 1976.
1: It's issue 130.
0: Yep. Got a Peter Cushing on the cover. Got an article about Space 1999, article about Squirm. And as much as anything else that I enjoy from this 40-year-old magazine, Yeah. in the back you can find products that you can send away for. Cool. A few pages
1: <gasps> Wow.
0: of just monster stuff.
1: Some of them are movies, like I Was a Teenage Werewolf, Frankenstein Meets the Wolf."
0: That think. you would play on like, like an 8 millimeter? does it say?
1: It does say regular and super 8, but I just came across this, <laughs> the quote, original Mummy. One of Karloff's most memorable performances, blah blah blah. The last sentence says, film is emo tops. Uh- like, emotep? but they're trying to say it's great. That is incredible. Um... Wow, and there's, oh, monster case to save your monsters, the, your issues of famous monsters of film land. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of models, also like horror books you could Building send away for.
1: Monsters. Wow, this is so fun. Planet of the Apes walking dolls, cool. Time machine. Time machine. It's a model time machine. The time machine is a plastic hobby kit that will amaze you.
0: Okay, what I wanted to also draw your attention to is this one right here.
1: It is shrunken head apple sculpture kit. It will be able to create extraordinary, realistic, ghoulish shrunken heads.
0: And you see who's a...
1: It's Vincent Price. Vincent
0: Price was spending the mid-70s hawking the shrunken head apple sculpture kit.
1: Which includes... Yeah. Everything you need to transform six everyday-type apples into these ugly, shriveled heads... A shrinker templates beads to create disgusting faces hanks of hair yeah. a carving tool gloss finish watercolors and apple hangers are included in this big fun kit Vincent Price enjoys his kit and we know that your entire family will be fascinated by this interestingly different type of enjoyment be crafty you know that you can do it
0: So you peel the apple you then use one of their stencils to like carve a face into it <laughs> And then you put it into the shrinker, which is like a plastic container, which fits the apple in one end, and then you put it over a light bulb on the other end, and it doesn't say for how long that I've ever been able to tell, but for whatever amount of time it takes to then make it take the form of like a shrunken head, kind of easy-bake oven style.
1: Whoa.
0: And then you add the hair and then beads for the hair if you want. You can paint up the face, and then you've got yourself a shrunken head. Here at the bank, we've discovered a fascinating pastime, Hangman. In 1976, also by Milton Bradley, you could buy Hangman, and you can go on YouTube and watch ads of Vincent Price in kind of like an Old West setting, promoting the game, fun for the whole family, of Hangman. Wow. Like if you have a little time to kill, get...
1: Hangman! Hey, want...
0: In October of 76, he taped his episode of The Muppet Show. That's tons of fun once again dear friends the very eerie Mr. Vincent Price
1: when you're down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing nothing Go in right. Close your eyes and think of me, and
0: soon I will be there to brighten up even your darkest night.
1: You just call out his name, and you know wherever you are he'll come running to see you again. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you have to do is call, and I'll be there. Yes, he will, you've got a friend.
0: And desert you And take your soul if you let them Cat? <laughs> you good let listeners them. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey This examination into the year of my birth
1: It was a really fun thing to focus on It's nice to have those kind of boundaries And then go, alright, what does this say about what we love?
0: Yeah, and every year has its contributions And so it was just nice to focus on, well, what did this one year give us? And Turns
1: out it was a pretty important year. What a year. Yeah, as you positioned it between Jaws and Star Wars, it really is this kind of like no man's land of like, things are, a lot of stuff happened inside this time.
0: What what I've heard.
1: Historically, but like, it's bookended by these incredible.
0: It was no longer BC, but it was not yet AD. (laughs) It was 1976. The most 70s year you could have.
1: Yeah. Well put.
0: Thank you. It was star-spangled. It was America being patriotic, really because it could.
1: It had an excuse to.
0: Yeah. And it was a time of disco. It was a time of bell-bottoms.
1: It was a time of lots of hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was a time of fireworks in the sky and barbecues. Um, I know we still have both, but man, they really turned it up for that year. It was a time of uh, pinball games, roller rinks, disco duck, evil Knievel. Oh, and something that I was that if I didn't just see the note right now, I would have just regretted not bringing it up. It's the time when thanks in part to Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of show. The Bermuda Triangle, Bigfoot, Loch Ness.
1: Fun.
0: The monsters that may or may not really be out there were on the tips of everyone's tongue. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. Indians call him Sasquatch. They believe he is as gentle as he is powerful and mysterious. The year 76 and a few years after were a real year for, like, mysteries, sort of like chariots of the gods, kind of like... Sasquatch, we have this—you know—one blurry film. Nessie, we have this one blurry photo, and they could just get a whole hour of TV out of that. Well,
1: we're kind of at the nexus of like computer technology. Things are becoming more automated, and we're very advanced as a civilization. But how much do we really know about the world?
0: We yeah, the in? world was still pretty big. It hadn't shrunk down. Yeah, like it is now. Thank you, internet. Right. But the wonders of that great big world. Could still be channeled in through your television. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we were at.
1: Eh? Yeah. I'm with you 150%.
0: Okay. It's a great point. What a time. What a time.
1: Indeed. And it gave us Marshall Hicks.
0: Boom. Fresh on the scene. (laughs) Thank you, Kat. And thank you, good listeners. And... You know, if uh, any of you out there have any clearer memories than we do, I'm afraid uh, a lot of this was just sort of academic on our parts, just based on TV we've seen and movies we've watched. If you want to share a little something about uh, what you were up to in 76, drop us a line. Uh, you can do it on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, Boys and Ghouls Twitter. You can write to us, Ghouls at gmail.com. Check out Kat's Instagram page. She has gone Instagram goofy with all of its new... Uh, features
1: yeah it's a good time they introduced instagram stories which is a bit controversial for some people because it's basically snapchat but for those people who follow us on instagram it's a really fun way to like when we get together and record or when we went to scare la but you know it's it's a way to get a little bit of in the moment access to us being silly and talking about spooky stuff and doing spooky things which i think is a lot of fun
0: yeah check us out there and check out our other episodes because this one is number 53. Wow. So we've been at it for a while, and we think we've got some real gems out there uh, that you'll enjoy. And cat, uh, as always.
1: Beware the moon.
0: Beware. Decay. Beware. Beware. Beware.